Ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running, 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 running. Griffin, uh... Welcome to the Selected Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Taylor, and clearly I'm taking this voiceover way too seriously. All right, all right, all right. You are back once again, dear listeners. This is the Selected Podcast. I am Dan Taylor, your host, and this episode I'm going to take seriously, but not too seriously. This week, we're going to talk about some event stuff. Uh, there's been a lot of stuff going on in the world. Uh, we might have a vaccine. Fingers crossed. I know you can't see me right now, but I've got fingers and toes crossed right now. So what I want to do is talk about the state of virtual events and what's going to happen when we can all get back together again. And in doing so, I have a very special person for you this week. This man grew up in 10 countries on four continents. He is a graduate of Yale University, that's Ivy League, Trinity College. He is a five-time TEDx speaker. He is a three-time entrepreneur, an international event MC and speaker who regularly does over 100 events per year. He has hosted the likes of President Barack Obama and Sir Richard Branson, and he's genuinely one of the nicest people I've ever had the opportunity to work with. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the one, the only, Dan. Ram, here he is. Woo-hoo! You've essentially done what I do as a career, except somehow better than me. So well done, Dan Taylor. Well, that's because I don't have uh, 30,000 people staring at me. So it's very early in the morning for me. Dan, where are you? Currently at this moment, I am in an elephant reserve in South India in a place called Coimbatore. I'm currently in South London with no elephants. <laughs> and I'm f- and I'm five and a half hours behind you. So it's nine in the morning for me, which, yes, all right, that is not particularly early. But you know what? For rock stars like me, that's a little bit early. So mm. anyway, Dan, man, what have you been up to? What's going on? You know, I honestly thought my answer to that question would be nothing, but it's actually everything. I mean, everything. If you learn to adapt Dang, this world's exciting. Even in the middle of a pandemic, even in the midst of chaos and crisis. So I'm just back from a seven-week European tour. You heard that correct. I went on tour in the middle of a pandemic. I hosted events. I was in public transport, in hotels, in the middle of a pandemic. 20 cities, 17 events in seven weeks. How's your health, brother? Oh, my health is so good. My health You're all right, is, right? I am all right. I took way too many COVID tests, a lot in every direction. I was invaded and prodded uh, through every orifice possible, and I've never, thankfully, touch wood so far, been COVID positive, although people all around me um, have got COVID, and we've had some pretty near, like some close encounters, you know, where camera crew uh, have been told to take a time out or something because they've got COVID. Or people I was going to have lunch with would message me and go like, I'm so sorry, man. I just got tested positive like two hours before we're going to meet. So I've had some close encounters, but so far, no COVID for me. What's your regimen? I mean, are you doing anything special? You're just washing the hands and yeah. keeping healthy or that's Absolutely. it? Huh? And then avoiding large groups of people and where possible. So I've been taking lots of trains for the tour in specific. 
and taking first class train, which really is not necessary because second class is fantastic. You know, you go through Austria and uh, Switzerland and Germany, I mean, second class travel on train is amazing. First class, you're paying almost double, if not more. And it's not that much of a better experience. But right now, it is significantly better because people are not buying first class. People are not traveling by train. So usually it's like me and one other person in the entire carriage. So I feel right. really safe as I travel. Right. Smart, 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 smart. I know you just said it, but how many events? Yeah, it's 17 events in 20 cities in seven weeks. I mean, this was the kind of rhythm I had pre-pandemic, right? I was doing two to three events per week physical events. Now I'm doing two to three virtual events per week. What took me three years to build in the in-person event world took me about three months to build in the virtual world. Now, of course, I had a leg up and a brand and everything else going for me. But I'm just saying adapting does not have to be a slow burn. It can most certainly be a quick burn as it has been for me. So I was traveling, hosting virtual events, although I physically was in the studio in front of a camera, but all the events were virtual. So you said you traveled a lot by train, very smart, but to get to India is, I mean, that's a heck of a long train ride. What is, I haven't been to an airport anywhere near an airport since March. What is, what is flying like these days? I mean, are you, are you wearing a hazmat suit or how's that, how's that work? Let me say two things I like about you first. First, I really miss these Instagram posts you used to do with thumbs up with your black nail polish uh, whenever you'd be at an exit row. <laughs> yeah, me, me too. Yeah, and I haven't seen that in a long time. Second, I really miss your voice, but I must say your audio quality right now is great. It's like you're right next to me, uh, and it's crystal clear. So both are uh, things I really like about you are your Instagram stories, which you unfortunately don't do anymore, but your voice, which we now have thanks to podcasting. So I'm really glad you've jumped into the podcast boat, along with everybody's mom, uncle, and grandpa, who is also creating a podcast. But no one else is rocking a purple mohawk, which you're... Audience cannot see, but I can see right now. Now to answer your question, traveling honestly is not fun anymore. I say that I went to 17 events in 20 cities and it I say it with a sense of accomplishment, not really with a sense of joy because it honestly felt like I was overcoming so many obstacles. I mean, let's just take one tiny part of it. When you travel by plane or by train, when you cross a border, you should take a COVID test. Even if it's not mandated, just for everybody else's sake and your own, you should take one. Now, as you travel the world, different languages, different booking systems, different accredited clinics. So some clinics that work in some countries don't work in other countries. So you have to research all of this information. It also varies by the airlines. So an accredited clinic by one airline may not be uh, valid by another airlines. So if you are like I used to do before, just two, three days before looking at the best route without really caring about the airlines, you're actually looking up two to three times the number of clinics. You got to call them all up. Some of them are booked up way in advance. Then you have to go and you have to deal with the human who you cannot talk to in the same language. So when I was in Poland, that woman said not a word to me in English. And she just made me open my mouth and open my nostrils and put stuff in. And I couldn't even find out when the tests come in. But you also have to time these tests. So you got to get a reservation just in time that the results come out within 48 hours of when you are crossing that border. That's only one aspect of it. Let's not mention that while I was traveling, restrictions were changing. And like I said... I say that I travel with a great sense of pride because, and this is where I'm a spiritual person, you know this about me, honestly, I had wisdom that came from above because three days before 
I was supposed to go to Switzerland from Poland. I just felt in my spirit, damn, leave today. I don't know why, but I just felt it. I got on a train, a 26-hour train ride from Poland to Switzerland. It wasn't comfortable, but I did it. And that same evening, Poland increased its restrictions. I was in Switzerland for a week. The day I left Switzerland, Switzerland raised its uh, restrictions. And then I was in Germany for a week. And when I left Germany to come back to Dubai slash India, I, I know they're not the same place, but I have a base in both countries, uh, both both cities. So uh, Dubai slash Coimbatore, I... Uh, the same. The next day, Germany raises restrictions. So it really was good fortune that I was able to stay on top of things and where I did not have information, like when governments are going to ra raise their restrictions or change restrictions, I had really good fortune. Or in my world, I call it good favor. But I must say it's very stressful. Constantly looking up flights, constantly looking up airlines. It's not simple. It's not fun. Not to mention that airports are dead. And I love airports and I love people watching. Lounges are closed, restaurants are closed, shops are closed, people are not interacting with each other. And to answer the, uh, what was it? The, the full-on PPE, you know, everything, face shields, masks. I did wear that. I did wear that on the full flights. So some planes are actually running at full capacity, like uh, aisle, middle row, and window. And I'm like, what is going on? Do you not aware there's a pandemic? <laughs> And I think they're looking at me going like, uh, do you not know that we're going bankrupt? So we don't have a choice. <laughs> yeah, that's a tricky situation, huh? Yeah, wow. so travel travel is not fun anymore. But right. still, I'm not going to complain. I'm going to count to my good graces because I know there are people who have not left their homes in months. Some have not left their cities this whole year. And so I at least got to travel. Yeah, for me, this is the first time in over eight, nine, well, it's 10 months now that I've been in one city. Yeah. This is the longest I've ever been in one city in the past decade. But hearing your tales of travel right now, I think that's almost a good thing. No, it's wise. Don't travel. Until yeah. Pfizer gives us all the miracle cure. Yeah, or China or Russia. You know, at this point, I don't really care where it comes from. Just like, let's get this over and done with so that we can get back to life. But until that happens, we've got virtual events going on all over the place. Absolutely. And possibly continuing even after. Virtual events are great. I think they will continue after. I tried to be a virtual photographer. I took lots of screenshots. Didn't really, <laughs> didn't really work out. You know, didn't really work out. So I'm still trying to figure out what I'm going to do with myself when I grow up. Uh, if anybody has any ideas for me, what Dan should do when he grows up.com. So let's talk about virtual events. We know each other from Bits and Pretzels. Yeah. Bits and Pretzels went virtual this year. Everybody went virtual this year. If I'm an event, mm -hmm. I can host this myself, right? I don't need an MC. Absolutely. I mean, if, if that's the level of confidence with which you would also host an in-person event and go, I can do the lights, I can do the sound, I can mic up everybody, I can then absolutely go for it. And, you know, the truth is there are event organizers that can do that, but they're wise enough to know they cannot do all those things at the same time. Also... Without being facetious about it, because I don't, I don't mean to be undermining people's skills, I think event organizers should focus on building community, not on trying to figure out engagement tools, audience interaction. I mean, leave that to an MC. You know, like you could do the mic system, but is that the best use for your skill set? Is that the best use for your time? I mean, you spend months putting on an event. Do you really want to be dealing? And we will talk about what it takes to be a virtual MC, because I've had to relearn my art, right? It's very different 
posting in front of screens versus in front of an audience. You can spend the time doing that, but why not love and spend time with the community, the audience? After all, that is why you run events. And I think an MC role plays a far more important role than a speaker does. And yes, that is a bold statement to say. But right now in the virtual world, I would say the most important person in a virtual event is the MC. And so I would not be giving it to someone besides a professionally trained and experienced virtual MC. And I think event organizers, you should be doing the chats and the emails and the connections and the networking and making sure people are connected. That's the stuff you should be focused on. So you've had to relearn your art. Yeah. What is the biggest challenge that you've had to overcome in the difference between live MC and virtual MC? So tell, like, tell me about the, the world of screens versus the world of faces. There's no feedback, full stop. There's just no feedback. And it is a couple of multiples more than what you would feel on a Zoom call. Because even when you have a Zoom call, you can see and hear someone or a Skype call or a Teams call or whatever your video platform of choice is. But it's still not the same experience. I mean, most of us are looking at each other waist up. Most of us are seated, so we're not using all of our full energy and body language. And as biological creatures, we subconsciously read a lot more than what people are projecting as far as words go. There's so much more that is happening. And we lose all of that context, all of that energy, all of that flow, all of that feedback when you are on Zoom. And now when you're doing virtual events and I can't even see their faces because I actually have not done a single, I've done 86 virtual events in the last four months and not one of them could I see the audience. They just didn't have the systems to see the audience. I could see panelists, I could see speakers that I was doing fireside chats, but there was not a single one where I could view all of the audience members. Now I know Tony Robbins has a pretty cool setup uh, that I saw on Instagram where he can literally see m masses of people. And it's amazing. He, I don't know what technology is using. And I know the technology exists, but none of the event organizers have paid to be able to see that, uh, to be able to organize or facilitate that. So anyway, the point is you nailed it. There is no feedback. And that is the hardest part is I'm bringing energy to camera lenses. I am anticipating considering how someone is responding to a speaker or a panelist. I'm imagining it on their behalf and then responding without actually having their feedback. And so I have to somehow through the internet waves off of maybe some comments are coming in or just watching the viewer count, if it's going up or down, gauge how people are responding to the content and then keep the energy going. Wow, oh, that's okay. Interesting. I, I didn't think about that. Like watching the viewer numbers that that's a that's an interesting way of uh, gathering feedback and and also as well you know as you said you're you're trying to imagine how somebody is responding to this but you know the the limitation of the human mind is so far you are your own person so you're obviously going to have your filter on it right because the way that i would respond to something the way you would respond to something are possibly different probably not but possibly different so yeah, yeah that that was that was one of the things that Renska and I talked about in our podcast last week she's a, a, a DJ and a, and a presenter as well and we were you know she's she stood in front of 30,000 people at, a, at an event in Amsterdam and and she said the exact same thing that that being a presenter today and having to do everything through zoom is yeah it's it, it's okay because it's keeping us connected and it's keeping the the, the wheel moving forward mm -hmm. but from the presenter's point of view, 
it's dead. Like you said, I mean, I'm staring, we're looking at each other right now and I'm, I'm staring into a camera lens, which is awkward for me because I'm usually the person on the other side of the camera. So that, that is a, that is an interesting one for me. The speakers, given what you just outlined, I would imagine that speakers are probably experiencing the same thing. You know, there's no audience feedback. So they're presenting to a webcam or a camera or whatever. Has the quality of speakers changed at all? Yeah, deteriorated tremendously. I think the content in virtual events is so underwhelming. And I feel bad because I don't think it's a platform. And I hear too often people going, ah, oh, it's just a virtual event. Ah, oh, it's just a digital event. And yet, you watch YouTubers. They create content daily. The best ones, daily. They have millions of people watching. Do you think they're doing any of that stuff live? Do you think they have an audience that they're watching? No. They're creating that content day in and day out in the same capacity the event organizers have to create today. What about all the great TV shows? You see Netflix and how, how well they're doing right now? They don't have live audiences. They don't have stages and convention centers. No. So the I would not blame it on the platform. I honestly think people have not bothered to adapt fast enough. And so speakers, it's the same thing. I have seen maybe two speakers who have actually figured out what I would consider the basics, a.k.a. you get a picture-in-picture -picture slide, okay? So with any of these other platforms that you use today, people are coming to look at you. You're the full screen. As soon as you share a slide or share a PowerPoint, which I don't get why people still want to do, but even if they had to do it, do you know what happens? Your screen shrinks to half, and in most cases, shrinks to like one-tenth the screen. Uh, the, the surface area of your laptop or your screen. How is this interesting at all? At all, it's not. And so the most basic setup is to figure out how to do PowerPoint within your screen. And so there are many ways to do that from a monitor that you put in your background to actually using some free software like vMix and OBS and others where you can integrate video into your screen. So the only thing people are looking at is you. but. Honestly, I've seen two speakers do this, and I have hosted hundreds of speakers virtually at this point, and I've seen two do this. So I think the quality has deteriorated tremendously. Also, those who perform well on stage do not necessarily perform well on screen because they have very different art forms, and the energy flows differently. The visuals are very different. Everything is very different. Um, and this is not to take away from the fact that they are great speakers. I'm not saying they're bad speakers. I'm just saying they have not adapted to the screen world. Yeah, I mean, those of us, yourself, speakers, and that's why I was asking Renske about it, is that there, there is this energy. Unless you've stood on a stage in front of people and landed something that an audience has reacted to, yeah. you don't know what that feels like. And, and for those of you that have never done that before, I highly encourage you to do it because <laughs> once you do... It's addicting. It's very addictive. It's the best high you've ever had in your life. Granted, when you float a joke and it doesn't land and the audience groans, well, you, you learn a lesson or two and uh, you keep throwing enough stuff up against the wall. Something will stick. And when you get that feeling, uh, it is addictive. Let's be honest. That's one of the reasons you do what you do. Probably is the main reason. I, I say this on social media. I say this uh, for events. I say this even with virtual. I mean, the reason I went to virtual and didn't hold, hold off is because the main reason I do what I do is because I love people and I love interacting with people. Being on stage is only the facilitators, the platform, because why else would I be in front of that many people? How else could I interact 
with tens of thousands of people every year if it wasn't as an MC. And so for me, it's always been about people. And it's why I've switched to virtual because I have learned to deal with comment bars, chat bars, poll surveys, and a whole bunch of virtual tools that we have these days. It's still not my ideal way of working, but it allows me to connect with people. And I know a lot of people right now during the pandemic feel really detached and isolated. And, and I'd like to think that being a familiar face, like even Bits and Pretzels that you mentioned this year, the number of people that wrote to me going, Dan, like this pandemic just felt a whole lot easier because you're still smiling, you're still beaming, you're still singing and dancing. And just seeing your energy brought me that little bit of rest that I needed. Like I didn't realize how heavy I've been feeling. And so that's why I switched to virtual because if I can help someone during their day, even if I can't see them, but they can see me and it blesses them in a little way, I'll do it. I'll stare at a camera lens. I'll stare at multiple camera lenses. <laughs> the video in video, the picture in picture software, where am I going to find that? OBS and vmix those are obs is free and it's what a lot of gamers use vmix is what when you kind of move more to studio and tv world that's what they use both of them are so easy to use and it's everything from picture in picture lower thirds you know like if you want to have your name pop up and look nice if you want to have a little animation even if you want to have a transition you know you don't have to just have transitions between slides on a powerpoint you can also have transitions between you on camera and your content on camera. You can do all of that with that software. And honestly, it should not take you more than two hours to figure out. If we can, I mean, we should jump into what I've been doing this weekend because this is me kicking myself up the butt and going, even I've got to keep, I mean, just because I have been successful in adapting does not mean I can stop learning. And I'm concerned that the day I stop learning is the day I become irrelevant and outdated. I love that. And I do want to jump into Dan Ram's weekend, but we got to take a short break. Stay tuned. We're going to be right back and talk about Dan Ram's weekend and how we learn more. On the next edition of The Selected Salon, Ben sits down with Natalia Brzezinski, head of strategy at Stockholm-based fintech Klarna, Together, they'll be discussing change and building for good, as well as a whole lot of Scandinavian stuff. The Selected Salon is content reserved for paid members only. To find out more, visit selected.sesamers.com. And we're back. We are back. This is The Selected Podcast. I am your host, Dan Taylor. I am joined today by the one and only Dan Ram, international MC and speaker and guy who flies wearing a hazmat suit. Smart guy. So we're going to talk about Dan Ram's weekend. Now, most people, I don't know about you, I did uh, a lot of bicycle riding this weekend, but what did you do this weekend? Well, I dressed a lot too. So, I mean, I played some tennis and hit the gym and all of that. But the reason I brought up the weekend is because I really think it's important to keep adapting with the world. So, for example, I've been using this webcam since I bought the laptop because it's a fine webcam. I mean, it's the webcam that came with my laptop and I never had to question it because I would usually do, what, one Zoom call every three or four days pre-pandemic. And then it hit me. This is the only way that people are interacting with me. So just like if I only had two pairs of t-shirts and all of a sudden I was interacting with more people, I would buy more t-shirts. 
I got to figure out how to up my game. So this weekend, I just launched both feet in, head everything in, whole body immersion into the world of live streaming from your home. And it is a fascinating world. And I feel like a fool that I'm only catching up now to things that have existed for a long time. And so, and I just want to give a hit list of stuff to anyone who's going, huh, Dan, you have a good point. I am in front of my camera. I am hosting meetings or hosting events or doing trainings or doing sales or like everyone just living online whole time, even connecting with their family. I think this even for my parents, the only way we've interacted with my sister who's in Ecuador for the last year and a half has been through camera. So why would we not want to give our best version of ourselves? And so I've been looking at everything from the obvious. For example, a better microphone. Most laptops have microphones that only work when you're in front of the microphone. When you have more than three people around a laptop, you lose people's voice. There are microphones that have different options for in front of you, uh, interview style, back and front, or all around you. Just using very basic language here. But microphones is something to work on because it also does a bunch of noise canceling and makes you sound really good like Dan Taylor. Uh, well. the, second, <laughs> the second is you'd probably want a second screen because it can be very difficult switching between videos, PowerPoints, whatever else it's using, Canva files, if you want to show people screen share and maintain eye contact with people because everyone tells you you got to look at the camera instead of looking at the screen exactly. And how do you do that if you've also got content? And so you probably want to have a second monitor. So now I'm studying about 4K and all the different versions under 4K and is it even compatible, bandwidth, all of that. Then you start thinking about lights because if anyone, especially you as a photographer, Dan, you know that lights is everything. You can even, I'm not going <laughs> to, the transformation is possible just with some good lighting, you know, uh, anyone can look like a model. <laughs> if they have I'm actually lighting. 72 years old. There we go. So we've got lighting to think about just to shine your face, but you also might do some lighting to make your background look a lot nicer as well. Then we've got the camera itself, right? So you can upgrade to better webcams. What I've been studying is buying like a DSLR camera or something that's out there, like the cameras you see photographers use. And then there's either software, which a lot of the big guys, Sony, Fujitsu, all these guys have created software to turn your camera into a webcam because your laptop would not naturally consider as a webcam or to get what's called a cam link. And so you can just use like what looks like a USB or a HDMI cable and it turns analog into digital. In addition to that, I've also been thinking because I am a speaker and for any speakers, MCs that are listening, you absolutely should be thinking variety. That's a key word, variety, right? If you are sitting, for all of your, I'd say for even more than 30% of your hosting or speaking, you're doing something wrong, right? And so you have to think, how do I work with multiple cameras? How do I work in multiple lightings? How do I work in multiple kinds of content? In that case, you need something called a stream deck. And essentially, it's shortcut keys that you press and it'll flip between cameras. It'll flip between content. So that is just a little bit of what I was researching. Nothing I said right now did I know before Saturday. Everything is only the last two days. And so for me and for anyone listening, I just want you to take encouragement that the world is full of great potential, great opportunities. The only thing holding you back from killing it on screen, from nailing a pitch or a sales presentation, from effectively hosting a boardroom meeting or a team meeting 
is yourself. The tools are out there. The information is out there. It's all free. It's all available. So please do yourself and the world a service. Do not be left behind. The world will not come back to pre-pandemic. We're moving forward and forward looks hybrid. We can talk about that. Forward will continue to look virtual and digital. We can talk about that too. And so this is a great chance to upskill, to learn the tools of the trade. We're done, Dan. That's it. I got everything I need. That's it. That's all I needed. Uh, thankfully, as a photographer, I have a stack of cameras and you're looking at me right now through a Fuji X-T2 with a 10 through 24 millimeter wide angle lens. Is it X-T2 or X-T200? X-T2. It's the, it's the old one. Okay. So, and, and the X-T2 is the furthest back that they made this software available for. But when it was launched, I jumped on it in, in a heartbeat. Now, as far as microphones go, what you're hearing right now, dear listeners, is the result of a condenser microphone. I have the Blue Yeti. I've had this for a long, long time. And thankfully, I just had these tools lying around when the pandemic happened. But yes, you will hear a difference in audio quality. Dan, I think I'm going to have to get Paul Papa Dimitriou on as a guest because he wrote a post for us at Selected, what, a month ago or so, where he outlines the very same thing. He transformed his home office into yeah. his home television studio. Yeah. So he's a big fan of Leica cameras. He had some lying around. He's got multiple camera angles. He was doing a podcast before the pandemic, so he's got the nice microphones. You need studio quality gear, right? But the average person probably doesn't need thousands and thousands and thousands of pounds, dollars, euros, whatever worth sure. of gear. And I did a budget-friendly version. I've sourced the cheapest 1080p webcam, uh, which had two noise-canceling microphones in it, then also gave a nice recommendation for a very reasonably priced, decent microphone, and then a ring light. Apparently, a ring light is a TikTok light. I was unaware of this. There was there was a there was a viewer or, or a reader, I should say, uh, who who sent a message over and he said, "Yeah, I, I got the ring light, and uh, it was on my desk for about ten seconds before my daughter saw it and said, "Oop, that's a TikTok light, mine." So that was that was that. I guess if you search TikTok light, you will find a ring light. Absolutely, very easily. So yes, we we need to up the game. Yes, you mentioned hybrid events now. This is one thing that excites me and worries me, but excites me at the same time. You've got experience in live. You've got experience in virtual now. What is a hybrid and how do we best utilize it? Okay. So hybrid is simply a mix of in-person events with virtual events. Now we know that in-person events are great, especially for the networking, the serendipity, which I will admit still has not happened with virtual events, right? Uh, in-person events is still where you make those magical encounters, have those unforgettable conversations, bump into old friends and make new ones, and have experiences that you share with people that cannot be rehad anywhere else in the world, right? And that still has not transferred to the virtual world. I don't think we have those tools yet, but in-person events are great for that. So there's no question that we will have in-person events specifically for those reasons. That said, Virtual events have shown that there are some huge benefits that in-person events don't give you. For example, far greater diversity of audience. Ultimately, an in-person event will gather people who are already familiar with the event, generally from their geographic area. Whereas with virtual events, all of a sudden, it doesn't matter what geography, it doesn't matter what age, it doesn't matter what gender, it doesn't matter if you have some disability or challenge that does not allow you to travel to events, now everybody's welcome to the screen. 
And so there's such greater diversity and therefore such greater communication and dialogue happening at virtual events than in-person events. Also for partners and sponsors, although they haven't totally gotten on board with it, there are more tools available virtually. I mean, in person, what can you do? Great. You can put up a billboard. You can put your logo on the stage. You can have it on the badge that people wear. But virtually, oh my gosh, when we start going into holograms, you know, augmented reality, virtual reality, special access content, all of a sudden partners and sponsors can do so much more there when it comes to branding and sponsorship. So I think from a business and financial point of view, it's also very exciting. It actually opens up more revenue streams in a way that in-person events do not. I also think that the experience for people can be great because, for example, I was doing a launch of a car, a new electric car. We had that car appear from underneath the stage directly in front of me. I gave a full tour of the car, opened the door, showed them the dashboard on the inside, showed them all the cool features and everything. And here's the deal. That car does not exist. And that car was not in front of me. It was all done with green screen technology. Now to come up with a dummy futuristic car would have been super expensive. To even have the hydraulic system to move a physical car from underneath the stage to on top of the stage would have been very expensive. They would have blown the entire marketing budget just on that. And then to have that whole experience where people could watch in 3D as I was going through that ca uh, the car, as they were able to ask questions live, and I was able to interact with those questions live. We could not have had that many microphones in an audience at the same time collecting that much feedback. It's just not possible. And did, we did all of that for, I don't know, 400, 500 bucks. I mean, that's just not feasible in an in-person event. And so there are so many new experiences. So hopefully I've convinced you that virtual needs to continue because you would lose out on audience members. You'd lose out on speakers. I mean, Dan, I mean, to fly you, to provide you a hotel, and then to pay fees is expensive for an event organizer. You're good, and so you're able to demand that, and they happily pay for that. And for speakers, it's no different. People will pay speakers to do that. But now, I mean, I interviewed Guy Kawasaki, who's a legend. And he could do that from his house in Hawaii. Can you imagine him having to fly over to Germany? It would have taken years to arrange that. And yet it was not, it was a matter of a couple of weeks to get that conversation on air. So I'm just saying virtual is going to continue. Hybrid just takes the best from both worlds. We will create alternate additional experiences for virtual audiences in addition to the beautiful networking and serendipity that will be provided for those who are able to attend in person. Essentially, it'll be two parallel experiences happening for two different audiences. And that was something I was thinking about as well, is the serendipity of bumping into somebody at a live event. Virtual events don't give me that opportunity to grab a coffee and sort of navigate my way through the break area and look at name badges. Uh, ooh, that's BMW. That, oh, that might be interesting. Who is it? All right, how do I go wander over there? There's none of that in, in virtual. There's none of that, you know, just put your coffee cup down. Hey, how's it going? Blah, 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 blah. Or somebody you know is there and they know somebody and they know somebody. Hey, have you met Dan? Yeah. It just doesn't happen in the virtual world. I think partially because there's a creepiness factor. You know, when you're when you're virtual, right, you're you're in your own home, you've got a webcam on you getting connected with some other random person who's also in their own home with a webcam. It, it's 
it's a bit weird. It feels a bit weird. It is a bit awkward. So I think my million pound idea here is I got to figure out how to engineer serendipity in the virtual world in a non-creepy or awkward way and then go buy the house down the street from Guy Kawasaki and live the rest of my life on the island of Oahu. <laughs> Fierce competition there, man, uh, because platforms are adapting as well. You know, Hopin was like the go-to. And now there is fierce competition. I was on one this weekend called Topia, where you are a little avatar in a in a world. So they've created a world with roads, and with uh, activities, with stages, with beanbags. So it's like you're looking. Uh, is it called aerial view, like bird's eye view? So you're looking from above at this. At this map and you're a little avatar and you can walk anywhere and here's the thing as you walk closer to another avatar their camera gets brighter and brighter and whatever they're talking about gets brighter and brighter so it's like you eavesdropping on a conversation you can have three people standing and having a conversation and as you walk closer to them you can hear the conversation if you're interested you can join you can move up right to them or you can just keep walking away um and then you can also do things like so there was a dj there and there was a, a, a stage that was created and so anyone could pop in between sessions. You don't have to say, oh, click the stream to watch this. No, you just whenever you want, like you would at a real event, you can just get up and leave and join the DJ booth and have fun there. So there are people playing with some ideas. That one's called Topia. There's another one called Run the World. There's one that I've been backing called Veertly. So there's a bunch of these new platforms that are out there that are trying to engineer serendipity. But I'd also say it's not necessary I think there are some things that we can save for the in-person world and it'll give us something to look forward to. I don't think digital is a solution for everything. I think there's something really beautiful about humans gathering and I'd like to make that happen. Right. So I like while it would be cool to build those tools, I don't think it's necessary. I think virtual can be successful without serendipity happening. Well, that will help me sleep better tonight. <laughs> we'll certainly need you and your fohawk at events you know and people want to remember i mean the other thing that is interesting is there aren't mementos of our experiences in the digital world uh and in the physical world one of the things i mean a friend of mine set up this company called Snapbar in the u.s hugely successful one of the inc top 500 fastest growing companies 50 fastest growing companies in america and they do photo booths like they have a a box that travels to any event because people want to remember these moments. And taking a screenshot of 40 faces on a Skype call is not the same thing. So we'll need you and your services back again, man. You're not. You're listening to the Selected Podcast with the overly serious voice of Dan Taylor. Dan, man, one thing that was a big highlight of the real world events was the startup competition, taking it back to tech. Do you have advice for startups who are starting up now? They still have to do pitches. They still have to fundraise, but they're doing it from their desk instead of center stage. Any advice to these young startups? Yeah, it's the same advice I'd give to a speaker or to anyone that is in front of a camera. Think of yourself as a character on a show. You are a digital footprint of yourself, right? That is the only version that people may ever see of you is the digital version of yourself. You have the chance 
to create that digital version, or as I said earlier, a character on a show. So your background is the stage. So if you have books in the background, people immediately think this guy likes to read. If you have instruments in the background, this, they will think this girl loves to play music. If you have colors in the background, they go, this person's very creative. If you have, for some reason, a spreadsheet in the background, they go, this person's very analytical. So think about the context. Think about the stage. Think about what's behind you. Think about what's around you because people will make impressions. Just like if you walk, uh, walk out on stage with a Gucci belt or a Rolex watch, that signals something. In the same way, your background signals something before you even start saying anything. And then, just like a character on a TV show, you have to amplify and give more. None of those characters are talking as they would in a coffee shop. They are performing. You have to treat it the same. You may be on your favorite couch, in your favorite room, in a house that you're familiar with. But when that camera goes on, you have to perform. So please do not settle too far back into your couch. I will, I will say, don't be too comfortable. Think performance. Think, how do I exaggerate? How do I amplify the best virtues of myself? Energy times 10. Eye contact, eye openness times 10. Body language times 10. Do not think that the screen is limiting you. The screen is actually a chance to amplify the best version of yourself. I know that we could talk for the next three hours. Well, let's do this. Hold on, hold on. It's something I like, and you would like it too, because you're, you're a fast thinker. Let's do a speed round. Let's do five minutes on the clock. Ask me questions. Speed round about stuff. What is your other? Puzzles and building stuff. The... Newest song you've learned on the piano and voice? I'm actually practicing for Christmas, and so I'm experimenting with a version of Mary Did You Know. Can I hear the first three measures of it? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day walk on water? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would save our sons and daughters? Did you know? And it just keeps going on and on and on. Who is killing it in the virtual space right now? Conference and platform software. Um, platform software is changing so quickly. It is so hard to tell. I fall in love with them and I find limitations very quickly. I would say virtually right now because they're growing so quickly and they're adding features all the time. When it comes to speakers, honestly, I haven't found any. What gets you out of bed in the morning? The opportunity to help people start now, start simple. That is my forward philosophy for life. And everything I do is to inspire and encourage people to get up, live life, start now, start simple. Tell me about Dan Ram's 3G. Ooh, my 3Gs are the things that fuel me every morning. God, gym, and goals. I essentially believe that we give our best when we have our best energy. So I just did an audit and I figured out what are the things that fuel me, that give me great energy. And spending time connecting spiritually, spending time in connecting physically, and spending time in connecting strategically are the three things that give me incredible focus and excitement for the day. So that's what I do every morning. Greatest moment you've ever had on a live stage? Oh, you were there, man. You were there for it. Uh, 2019... In Munich. Now you captured one of those moments, which is when we switched off all the lights and we had everyone put on their cell phone lights, their mobile phone lights. And that was beautiful, but it was actually the moment right before that. So a lot of people think 
introducing President Barack Obama was a highlight, which in many ways it was. But honestly, I like the audience. I'm more committed to the audience than I am to the speakers. That is, uh, it's always been my passion as people in the audience. And so we had a, do you remember this? We had a marching band that oh, yes. marched through the 8,000 uh, strong audience up onto stage. And then I had the big reveal. I came on stage and we sang and we danced. And then my favorite part is when we got the audience to echo and sing along too. To get a German audience to sing and dance is difficult. To get a German audience to sing and dance on a Sunday afternoon is very difficult. To get a German audience to sing and dance on a Sunday afternoon when they're wearing business attire, even harder. And I'd like to think that at least 75% of the audience participated in it. Uh, maybe the VIPs in the front row did not, but everyone else had a good time with it. So that was one of my favorite moments. Awesome. Your favorite food? Oh, favorite food. This is difficult. I love foods, all foods. I'd, I'd say Indian food because so much variety to Indian food. And favorite Indian food? Favorite Indian food. My favorite snack is something called Pani Puri. Don't ask me what goes in it, but it is a bomb, an explosion of all flavors, sweet, sour, spicy, everything happening in your mouth at the same moment. And so that is probably my favorite Indian snack. Favorite color? Red. Yeah, I only wear black, white, and red on stage, so red's my big color. Any last thoughts? Yeah, my last thought is eternal gratitude for this life that we have. You know, in many ways, our lives are short and meaningless when you think about the billions of years that the planet lives. I'm grateful for people like you that I get to share this moment, you know, 2020 that we live. I mean, it's a chance that we are alive at this moment. And I'm grateful for your listeners who took the time to listen to this podcast because there are many other podcasts, many other things they could be doing. And I'm grateful for this life, for the skills and the talents that we all have. And my hope, my desire is that we all embrace the fullest, truest version of ourselves because it is a short but can be powerful life. If I can help in that journey, please connect with me. That is why I do what I do. Uh, MCing is what is on my business card. It is not my mission. My mission is to be there for you, uh, to be there for any of you that's listening or watching or interacting with me on stage someday. So if I can help in your journey, please reach out. That is the greatest take us out I've ever heard. Tell people where they can reach you. What's your Insta? What's your Twitter? How do they get to you? Yeah, so my name is Dan Ram, D-A-N-R-A-M. It is short for Daniel Ramamurthy. You can find me at I am Dan Ram. So you just you can just Google Dan Ram, you'll see everything. But if you want to go directly to a social media account, so Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, and Instagram, just go at I am Dan Ram. I put out free content every single day. I have videos on time management, productivity, efficiency, and I show you behind the scenes of how I do what I do. I am just an ordinary person, not too different from any of you listening, trying to live an extraordinary life. And I like to show the behind the scenes of that. And so you can follow all of that on an I am Dan Ram. The only thing I'll say is please do not be shocked if I respond because I will. So if you DM me with any questions, any doubts, any concerns, any requests, 100%, I personally respond to everybody within two to three hours. So please do not be shocked. That is actually me responding. Dan Ram, he has been here. Go follow him. Get in touch with him. You've been listening to The Selected Podcast. I am your host, Dan Taylor, and I am out of here. Bye-bye. And that's it. <laughs>